another episode of the Bipolar Disorder Moment. My name is Alan Cooper. Today will be my second reading from my yet-to-be-published book, Brain Betrayal, The Alan They Never Met. Today, we're going to skip ahead a couple of sections to a portion of my story, which has some happy memories and a little bit of a difficult memory as well. I, I have the sense that if my book gets published, people will be wondering why I include these stories from my childhood. Well, I don't just have bipolar disorder. I have a life beyond that. I have a personality that has grown from some interesting <laughs> childhood experiences. And if you truly want to appreciate what bipolar disorder has done to my life and who I am as a person, you need to understand my character. Every section of my book has a purpose. And these stories, while they may seem to have nothing to do with bipolar disorder, they are about who I am. Plus, my book isn't just about my experience with bipolar disorder. My book is about my evolution as a person. Because who I am as a person, what my identity is, is a big portion of the struggle I experience in my book. The other thing I was thinking about is other memoirs I have read there have been some reviews that people don't care about other aspects of the writer's life beyond their experience with bipolar disorder. And on reflecting on that, I realized that we're human beings first. And that's why every person who writes a memoir on bipolar disorder is going to have this huge aspect of the story that has absolutely nothing to do with bipolar disorder. If you really want to understand the illness and all its different forms and how different people experience it, reading these memoirs where you actually understand the character of the individuals who go through these challenges because they have bipolar disorder will help you understand what the illness is like. But you have to be patient to understand their character. And even I found myself thinking, why am I reading this? I just want to know about their bipolar disorder experience. But now I realize you can't really know about their bipolar disorder experience 
unless you get to know their character. And that is why these portions of my book exist, is so that you get to know me, and you will understand my reaction to having bipolar disorder, having my first manic episode, and having it radically change my life. So back to today's reading, I will be reading a very early memory from kindergarten, actually, my kindergarten times. Um, it may have also been grade one, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure it was kindergarten. I went back to the site where this happened and I drove the route where I walked. I used to walk home from kindergarten. I don't recall being scared, actually. Um, I don't know, I felt like the neighborhood was kind of watching over me, but maybe I just don't remember. The experience I described today has a lot to do with being significantly younger than my older siblings. I suspect a lot of people who are maybe six or seven years younger than their older siblings and don't have any other siblings may be able to relate to my experience. I'm not sure. I also wanted to mention that this describes how I viewed myself in the context of my family at the time. I don't feel this way about my family or how I fit into my family at the moment, but it was how I felt at the time and it does play into how I viewed myself for a great portion of my life. And like I said before, it's part of my story about my identity. Okay, here we go. This section of my book is called Come and Play. Come and Play. I used to walk eight blocks by myself to get home from kindergarten. My parents told me never to accept a ride from anyone and never talk to strangers. One day, a neighbor offered me a ride home when she came to pick up her children. I was terrified, afraid that my parents would be upset at me for doing something wrong. Alan, we can drive you home, she said. I was so scared. I just pretended not to hear her and looked down at the dry brown grass. Alan, we can drive you home. It's okay. We don't mind, she said. I just kept my head down and kept walking. Alan, she said again. Then she sighed and returned to her car where her children were waiting. I exhaled in relief. I knew I would have been in so much trouble if I got in the car with our neighbor. I was so proud of myself that I got the rule right. When I made it home, 
my favorite part of the day would begin. I walked in the back door and kicked my runners off. Hi, Mom. I'm home, I announced. Hi, honey, she said. I sat down at our tiny kitchen table. My mom brought me a banana, took off the sticker, and stuck it on my nose. I giggled. She broke the peel of the banana just enough for me to be able to remove the rest of it myself. My mom served me a glass of milk, along with a peanut butter and jam sandwich on a tray for me to take down to the basement. I placed my tray on the coffee table, walked up to the television, and pulled the small knob to turn it on. Then I'd rush back to my chair and sit down and sing along to the Sesame Street theme. Come and play, everything's a-okay, I would sing happily harmonizing the best I could. I stared wide-eyed at the screen as Cookie Monster filled his mouth with a cookie and crushed the cookies into crumbs and threw them everywhere. I counted with Count Dracula as he said, One ice cream cone! Wah-ha-ha-ha! in his Transylvanian accent. And I said, One ice cream cone! Wah-ha-ha-ha! doing my best Transylvanian accent. Then he said with a little more gusto, Two ice cream cones! Wah-ha-ha-ha! And another ice cream cone would appear on the screen. My excitement grew as more and more ice cream cones appeared to force him into the one corner of the screen. Defeated by the onslaught of ice cream cones, he yelled, Ten! Ten ice cream cones! nodding his purple plush head up and down in approval. I sat on the armchair with my legs dangling off the edge, my big brown eyes entranced by the screen, its reflection shining off my face. When Ernie and Bert came on, I was annoyed at Bert for being so mean to Ernie. Bert was so uptight and poor Ernie was always so nice. I grew up hating the Berts of the world. Unfortunately, the Berts of the world in our society tend to be in positions of power. I found characteristics of Bert in my teachers, my family, and my employers. Sesame Street was a safe place. No one was mean except Bert, and the adults were fun and gentle teachers. It was a home where I felt I belonged and was an equal part of the family. When it was over, I'd have to figure out a way to amuse myself. Often, I would do puzzles or play with my weebles. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down, I would sing, while I placed the egg-shaped characters around our home, testing the theory. I heard my brothers come into the back door, so I ran upstairs to see them. They walked by me, continuing their conversation, as if I were invisible. If I reached out and touched them on the shoulder, they would jump up with a start and demand to know how I appeared out of thin air. Jamie and Artie, are you home? 
yelled my mum from another part of the house. Yes, they would reply. Don't leave your bags and runners in a mess, boys. You know that makes your father mad, she said, while both of my brothers hopped over their backpacks and flicked their runners against the wall. Where's Alan? James asked my mum, even though he just walked by me. I returned to sit on the top two stairs that led into the basement so I could hear what my family was saying about me without having to be in the room. I could tell by James' voice that I had done something wrong. The real Sesame Street of my life that I observed from a distance wasn't as pleasant as the fictitious one I enjoyed immensely. He's downstairs, my mom yelled back. Alan! My brother yelled from the top of the stairs. I reluctantly came around the other side of the wall. My little body pressed against it. Yeah, I said in my meek little voice. Did the Romanos offer to drive you home? Yes, I said in a barely audible voice. My heart rate began to spike. I was so stupid. I thought I had done the right thing, but I must have made another mistake. They said you ignored them. Is that true? Yes, I replied, and quietly and filled with fear. Why? my brother asked. Mom and Dad told me not to take rides from anyone, I said, with my lower lip quivering as I looked up at him from the bottom landing. My mum came into the kitchen and peered over James' shoulder with her thick-brimmed fairy godmother glasses. What did he do? she asked my brother. The Romanos were trying to give him a ride home and he just ignored them, James said. Alan, that's rude, my mum said. Why did you do that? I thought I wasn't supposed to take rides from anyone, I answered with a whiny tone that I had not intended. I felt embarrassed and I wish... I could go hide in my room. My father came into the kitchen and asked, What's going on? Arthur explained to him what happened. Alan, why would you do that? My father asked, while James, Arthur, and my mom looked down at me. You told me... I began, but now they were talking to each other about me, no longer aware of the fact that I was in the room. I just watched the show about my life, never daring to step into the screen. I felt alone and misunderstood. It wasn't the fact that I had acted inappropriately that was upsetting. It was the fact that they all knew that not accepting a ride from a family friend was obviously incorrect, and I did not. So, that's the reading for this week. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to be part of the discussion that is yet to grow <laughs> in my Facebook group, The Bipolar Disorder Moment, I would love it if you join the group and if you have any comments whatsoever about today's reading, that would be Excellent. 
You can also find more information about me on my blog, bipolarweekly.com. That's bipolarweekly.com. And you can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Alan G. Cooper. And if you want to support my book, supporting me on Twitter helps a lot because publishers are always looking to see if I have a online presence. So anything you can do to engage with me or follow me really helps me in my attempts to get my book published. I hope you all enjoyed today's reading and I look forward to next week when I will be reading another aspect from my yet-to-be-published book, Brain Betrayal, The Alan They Never Met. This has been another Bipolar Disorder Moment. <laughs>